Support for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by AstraZeneca, a biopharmaceutical business with a deep-rooted heritage in oncology and a commitment to developing cancer medicines for patients. Learn more at AstraZeneca-US.com. Welcome to Yale Cancer Answers with Drs. Anish Chagpar, Susan Higgins, and Stephen Gore. I'm Bruce Barber. Yale Cancer Answers is our way of providing you with the most up-to-date information on cancer care by welcoming oncologists and cancer specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. This week, Dr. Stephen Gore welcomes Dr. Mario Stratzabosco for a conversation about liver cancer. Dr. Stratzabosco is director of the liver cancer program at Smilo Cancer Hospital, and Dr. Gore is director of hematological malignancies. Here's Dr. Stephen Gore. So, um... Tell us about liver cancer. I think um, many of our listeners think of any cancer that has gone to the liver as being liver cancer. That that's not exactly right. Am I am I correct there? Yeah, correct. So we did what most frequent uh, <clears throat> forms are the so-called secondary liver cancer, otherwise called liver metastasis, where the liver is 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 a target organ of other uh, tu- malignant tumor elsewhere in the body, and, and they metastasize to the liver. Something like breast cancer or breast colon cancer, cancer. colon cancer, and so on. Mm-hmm. These are uh, metastatic uh, cancer that develop in a normal liver. The bigger difference from the one that we are talking about today, which is a primary liver cancer, is that the liver is almost never normal. The liver cancer is actually one of the <laughs> dreadful complications of having chronic liver disease. Hmm. Uh, sometimes liver cancer can develop in a, in a patient with otherwise normal or semi-normal liver, but most of the time, well, I would say 90% of the time in our um, geographic areas, is actually a complication of long-standing liver disease. For example, among the patient with liver cirrhosis, liver cancer arises with a frequency, an incidence of uh, uh, 5% per year. So 5% per year in people with cirrhosis. Right. And this is one of the reasons why these people is usually screened for liver cancer with uh, at least ultrasound every six months. This is a very important issue. Uh, because if you can uh, uh, diagnose the liver cancer in an early stage, there's a lot that can be done. But whereas if you uh, don't do the screening uh, and the cancer <clears throat> at the moment of the diagnosis is already advanced, as in many other cancers, the, uh, there's little that can be done, actually. Uh, so, you know, this opens several other questions about um, um, uh, like, uh, how do I know that I have liver cirrhosis, for example, you know? <laughs> well, that was one of my next questions. Right. But, but maybe before we get yeah. there, does it matter what the cause of the cirrhosis is? I know there's, there's many forms of cirrhosis, right? It does matter a lot. So there are many forms of cirrhosis. Uh, the most frequent ones uh, are uh, due to um, hepatitis C, mm. hepatitis B, alcoholic liver disease, and more recently, uh, this new um, entity of uh, non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, also called it's fatty NASH. liver. Yeah, the, the bad kind, the, the bad kind of fatty liver, basically. Okay. <laughs> okay. Which is associated with metabolic liver disease, diabetes, overweight, obesity. Well, there's none of that in our country. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> it's actually uh, pretty common, right? Pretty common here. Uh, yeah. You know, you see less of it, for example, in Italy, where people is leaner and eat in a different way. Mediterranean diet. It's a whole Mediterranean diet. But they fit crazy. into those skinny jeans and everything there, right? <laughs> yeah. I'd but, never make it. <laughs> me too. <laughs> me too. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually, uh, when I was practicing in Italy, I was a little skeptical about the existence <laughs> of this form. Now, I'm, uh, practicing here, you, 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 you do see it. See it. Yeah, huh. you absolutely do see it. So I would say that nowadays, uh, these are the four most common causes of uh, liver disease, epidemiologically speaking. And the important thing is that they're all preventable hmm. and, and treatable. And, and do they all have a predilection to having liver cancer develop? Or Yes, that's independent. Of the form of cirrhosis? Of, 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 the, of the form of cirrhosis. They do it with different mechanisms, of course. But, um, um, you know, hepatitis B uh, virus is an oncogenic viruses, you know. Meaning that it causes cancer. It causes cause cancer. It causes can integrate in the genome. It's, it's a direct cause of cancer. Sometimes uh, you can also have, uh, it's one of the few cases where you can have liver cancer in the absence of uh, cirrhosis, just with moderate liver disease. Uh, for example, when these acquired uh, very early, Okay, so, so, so the, the, the inflammatory component is not such that you develop severe liver disease, but the cancer is there and can integrate in the genome and activate some oncogene. Hepatitis C is different because there's not a direct oncogenic action, but it's the overall inflammation and repair chronically. Alcohol is more or less uh, the same um, action. and Inflammatory. Uh, inflammatory. And also, you know, inflammatory or auto-inflammatory is also the, the pathogenesis of the um, hepatitis connected with, with, with fatty liver. When, you know. I see. So, so what you were saying with a, with a hepatitis B, if I understand correctly, is that the DNA from the virus actually becomes part of our DNA? Yeah, it? there's integration. I see. And, and this can activate uh, some, some oncogenes. Some genes so. which cause, can lead right. to cancer. Yeah, but you still have to have some sort of even moderate damage mm -hmm. to promote proliferation, you know. For the cells to start growing right, fast. Right, right. Uh -huh. But so uh, this is a direct action. Gotcha. But so, again, we should spend some, you know, words of prevention and, and also treatment. Once you identify that you have liver disease, now you can treat it. Hepatitis C has, you know, great drugs. You can eradicate the virus now. Right. Hepatitis B, you don't eradicate the virus, but you suppress the virus replication, so the inflammation goes down. Using medication? Using medication, antivirals. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's clear that if you are able to identify and treat uh, this disease before it gets cirrhotic, you do prevent uh, significantly the development of liver cancer. Hmm. It's different when you apply this treatment in a patient who already has cirrhosis, mm -hmm. then uh, the risk of liver cancer decreases, but not, doesn't zero, so, mm -hmm. yeah. And um, alcoholic liver disease, of course, is preventable with sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, but that's not easy for people who really suffer from alcoholism. Yes. That's a terrible yes. problem, right? Yes, although sometimes it's not really being alcoholist. Uh, you know, 
See, one, one of the things that people, it's, it's good to understand is that often liver cancer is the result of not one single cause, but a combination of different causes. Right. So it's very easy. You don't know you have hepatitis C, so you live a normal life. You eat and drink uh, socially. Right. You don't get drunk. And, and you grow fat. So now you are acquiring three different risk factors I see. for liver cancer, and they don't just add together, they multiply. Mm. So the risk is tremendously increasing if you have uh, three risk factors. And three, these three risk factors are so common. Uh, hepatitis C is so uh, prevalent among baby boomers, for example, you know, and... It's the curse of our generation. <laughs> it's the curse of our, you're, you're right. So, you know, it's very easy to have three major risk factors and don't know it. Mm. So that, that, that's one of the difficulties that we're facing. But so they can be prevented and progression to advanced chronic disease can be prevented by etiologic treatment or behavioral, you know, changing lifestyles and whatever. And, and then you have the um, um, screening phase, which is not really screening phase, is an oncologic surveillance in the population at risk. So the physicians should be able to identify patients with risk factors, and, and these patients should, you know, do an ultrasound, see what the liver morphology is. Mm. Uh, now there are also ways to understand how fibrotic is the liver. For example, there's an easy um, test. It's called fiber scan, for example. You just measure the um, um, elasticity of the liver. How spongy it is, really, or bouncy yeah, exactly, it is, exactly. Right? So you, 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 you hit the, the abdominal wall and record, you know, how it progresses. Is it progressing through some sort of wood or sponge? <laughs> and it gives you, yes, it's not rocket science. <laughs> it gives and are they, hitting it, are they hitting it physically or are they hitting it with there's a little, no, There's a little probe oh, no. that, that you apply on, on the abdominal wall. And, and, it, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, and it gives you a little thump? Yes, and and then record the the, the wavelength, so uh -huh. how this uh, elastic wavelength comes back, and there you have a number. But it doesn't hurt. No, not at all. Yeah. And and above that number, you have significant uh, fibrosis, and should probably see an hepatologist, and you know, and start, um, of course, uh, um, doing several things that would prevent you to go on to cirrhosis and to liver cancer. Hmm. So, you know, we do probably have several ba baby boomers or quite a few in our audience. Uh, liver cancer, how, how common is it? And uh, should all these ba boomers on the, right. in our listening office be uh, well, uh, audience running to their doctor and saying, I need a fibro scan? Right. I don't want to frighten them, my, my <laughs> fellow baby boomers. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we have that, enough to worry about. Right. To take good care of your health, as you would do for any other disease, you know, strangely enough, uh, most of the uh, risk factors are the same for cardiac liver, for, for cardiac disease and, and for liver disease and for many other cancers because sure. diabetes is a risk factor, so it's very different. Under and cancer. obesity. And obesity as well. So it's basically uh, a set of genes that predisposes you to have uh, this sort of problem. So don't, 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 don't panic. But... <laughs> Uh, you know, the, the, the bad part is that uh, actually liver cancer um, incidence is raising hmm. in, in, uh, in the Western countries. It used to be very high in Africa, Asia, Asian you know, countries, right. for following the epidemiology of hepatitis uh, B or aflatoxin. 
but now is is more widespread also in um, in in the Western society and also particularly in in the U.S. This is due to you know to some generational aging or migrations, you know, by people coming from high uh, risk countries uh, mm. and. Um, uh, but so, you know, the, the latest statistics are about, you know, 6.1 uh, per 1,000, 100,000 people. Six cases of liver cancer per 100,000 yes. people. Yes. And and, uh, and Connecticut in particular is one of the states with the higher incidence. I don't know why, but... Well, we're glad you're here. <laughs> yeah. Seven, it's, a, it's about 7.5. Okay? Wow. Yeah. Which is that... Um, so we, we, we ran some estimates, uh, very limited. I think they are in defect, but there are more than 200 new cases per year hmm. just in Connecticut. Wow. And, and these are patients that are very complex because the characteristic of uh, liver cancer, as I said before, is that you have this liver cancer in a patient with chronic liver disease. And so you have two components. One is an oncologic component. Mm-hmm. It's a, the cancer. The cancer, per se. right? The other is a failing organ. So it's a cancer in an organ who is failing, mm. and that's the complexity. Right. Sure. All right. You don't have a failing column. Right. You just take it out. Right. And and do uh, all the other things that you need to do. But here you have you have you have uh, a patient with a very complex uh, um, internal medicine syndrome, mm-hmm. which is the you know. Um, f- uh, end stage liver disease or whatever. So you have uh, all sorts of complications. You don't want to cure the cancer or lose the patient to liver disease, right? Uh, that would be a, a bad uh, <laughs> end point, I think. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, we're going to pick this up after the break, but at this point, we are going to take a short break for a medical minute. Please stay tuned to learn more information about liver cancer with Dr. Straza Bosco. Support for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by AstraZeneca, working to change the cancer paradigm through personalized medicine. Learn more at AstraZeneca-US.com. There are many obstacles to face when quitting smoking, as smoking involves the potent drug nicotine, but it's a very important lifestyle change, especially for patients undergoing cancer treatment. Quitting smoking has been shown to positively impact response to treatments decrease the likelihood that patients will develop second malignancies and increase rates of survival. Tobacco treatment programs are currently being offered at federally designated comprehensive cancer centers, such as Yale Cancer Center and at Smilo Cancer Hospital. Smilo Cancer Hospital's tobacco treatment program operates on the principles of the U.S. Public Health Service Clinical Practice Guidelines. All treatment components are evidence-based and therefore all patients are treated with FDA-approved first-line medications for smoking cessation, as well as smoking cessation counseling that stresses appropriate coping skills. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org. You're listening to WNPR, Connecticut's public media source for news and ideas. Welcome back to Yale Cancer Answers. This is Dr. Stephen Gore, and I'm joined tonight by my guest, Dr. Mario Strazabosco. 
and we are discussing the diagnosis and treatment of liver cancer. Um, the uh, audience will probably not realize that I'm trying to modify my pronunciation of the O's in your name <laughs> after the dialogue we had uh, off mic, but it's the, that's too complicated for my pidgin Italian that I get mainly from traveling in Europe. Uh, so before the break, um, you were telling me about how complicated it is uh, to treat liver cancer because it's usually in the context of a failing liver. Are, are you a surgeon or um, or a, a medical physician? I'm an hepatologist, which so, is, uh, right. is internal so, medicine. Gotcha. It's a, it's a branch of internal medicine. Yes. Gotcha. So, but but a large part of the therapy for uh, liver cancer is surgical. Is that correct? It's um, no. It's in part. Right. So tell, tell yeah. me. So right, right. So um, let, let, let's let's begin by saying that most uh, medical oncology um, chemotherapy don't really work in this cancer for right. two main reasons. Reason number one, this as I said, is a failing liver. You can't go with the. Uh, you have to be very careful drug toxicity and you know. Sure, because we so. need the liver to metabolize drugs. Right. Exactly. So you have to be careful, and and you can't use the full strength. Yeah. I understand. And uh, the second thing is that the liver is actually the organ that usually metabolizes the rid of the drug. And so it's actually specifically designed mm-hmm. not to be offended. Right. <laughs> oh, I see. Got it. <laughs> right. And it has some... Takes you know, care of itself. Right. Metabolizing enzyme and, and pumps that push the drug outside in the bile. And this cancer, you know, if they are not completely uh, lost their differentiation, they do remember the, the job that we were doing before. And somehow they become resistant to to uh, most of uh, the uh, usual chemotherapeutic agents. There are in, uh, in, uh, in the pipeline some, some, some um, uh, targeted uh, um, uh, small molecules that would interfere with um, uh, some uh, important um, uh, signal transduction mechanism. Okay? Mm-hmm. Some of them are already, uh, one of them specifically is already being used. Uh, other will come, but it's still a, a limited uh, um, um, number of patients that can be treated in this way. They have to have an almost perfect uh, liver function, and uh, and they usually they we, we use these drugs in, in patients that has failed the other treatments. Hmm. So, what are the other treatments? Um, uh, first of all, they apply mostly on patients with early to intermediate stage. Okay. This is one more reason to, to have an early Get diagnosis. Get screened, right. right? So a patient can be, depending on the stage and, and on several other local factors, local meaning where is it in the liver, uh, the patient can, be, uh, can undergo resection. Mm. Meaning surgical removal. Surgical removal of the cancer, uh, taking uh, away um, um, a piece of the liver or, or uh, of, of different size, okay? As you know, the liver can grow back. Mm. That doesn't happen that often if your cirrhosis is advanced. I see. So you have to take this into account. For example, one thing is taking away a metastasis. One thing is taking away a primary liver tumor because the uh, uh, regeneration potential of the liver is different. So you're, what you're saying is that if it's a colon cancer that has uh, 
spread with one or two metastases to a normal liver, you can sometimes cut out those metastases and help. Right. But in this case, the liver cancer, because it's growing in a sick organ, the you liver may not You can still cut out uh, uh, the tumor, but you have to make sure that there are certain uh, uh, parameters that are satisfied. For okay. example, there cannot be varices. The, the bilirubin has to be below one. Uh, there are several... Uh, criteria. Criteria that limits the applicability. Still, is one of the best treatments you can do. Right? I see. Then uh, if you cannot, uh, the patient cannot undergo surgery, you can use several different interventional radiology treatment. And uh, um, um, just to give you an example, one is called radiofrequency ablation. You insert a probe in the tumor, and you use microwave hmm. to cook the tumor, basically. This is what you do. Right? Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Right. And it's, it's, it's very uh, efficacious. And it, is the probe inserted through the skin, or do you it's, know? Uh, that can be done, uh, uh, mostly is done percutaneously. Through the skin. Right. Uh, sometimes can be done laparoscopically, okay. depending on the location. If the location is difficult to access to the skin or it's too risky, otherwise it's just... just mm, like a biopsy. Wow. Okay. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not painful. And Sounds painful. No, it isn't. And uh, because, you know, uh, the liver only has uh, pain, uh, um, nervous uh, termination on the capsule. Outside the liver. Right. The, the, the capsule that surrounds the liver. Surrounds the liver. That has pain. But uh, not termina- inside the liver. Not inside the liver. Oh, interesting. Right. So... Um, and and and, this, and the results are outstanding, particularly if uh, tumors are small. Okay. If tumors are a little larger, or they have a clear arterial irrigation, you can use TACE. TACE is the acronym from transarterial chemoembolization, and basically you go through the hepatic artery. Okay. Cannulate very selectively. The feeding artery that goes to the tumor. The tumor, because uh, dif- uh, you know the liver gets most of its blood from the normal liver from the portal vein, which comes from the gut. It comes from the gut, yes. And the uh, tumor gets its feeding from the artery. Okay. So you can clearly isolate that portion of the liver from the surrounding portion. You can embolize, so make it cytopsic, but also you can. Add uh, some chemotherapeutic agents, a very high concentration locally, hmm. and they stay there. So you're injecting the chemo right into the tumor? Right. You can use microspire. You can use some uh, oil, like lipiodol, that, that get engulfed by the cells. Okay. So the concentration of the chemotherapeutic agent is, is even higher. Okay. And... Uh, then there are several variations of this. I see. In some cases, rather than injecting a chemotherapeutic agent, you can inject a radiotherapeutic agent like uh, yttrium 90. Radioactive material. Right. So it stays there. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and because this tumor is actually very sensitive to radiation. Hmm. Is that it's very difficult and dangerous to irradiate the whole liver because of the hilum and so on. But with this system, you can actually... Um, uh, Hit with a high radiation, a small, a small um, uh, area in the liver, mm. and then uh, th- again there are several variations of this main uh, sort of treatments. All right, uh, thing is, um, it's uh, is not clear 
um, immediately uh, which patient should get what. Because basically these are all uh, a treatment that are reserved to patients with early or intermediate cancer. But then to go on the nitty-gritty of which one or the other is, 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 is not so easy. Uh, and this is one of the main methods that I hope uh, to convey that um, these are patients that need to be seen by specialized centers, not, not, not being treated by whatever is available in a certain community or a certain hospital. You need uh, and, and has very, high, very good results with each of these techni techniques. Mm -hmm. And so that's what usually is done, run this multidisciplinary tumor board that include hepatologists, uh, transplant surgeons, uh, radiation, uh, radiation all, all, all the people that provide care, they are together and discuss the case. Mm. And this is what we call personalized medicine in, in this cancer so far, waiting for some more you know, uh, biological and molecular biology clues and leads. Uh, last uh, is the chance of transplantation. This is the only solid organ that can be treated by transplant. So the results of transplantation are outstanding. Uh, You're talking about transplanting the whole liver. Transplanting the whole liver. Oh because my gosh. You, you take care of both diseases. You yeah. take care of the cancer, you take care of the cirrhosis. All right? Now, there are limitations uh, to your ability to do so. The cancer has to be to, in a stage where the likelihood of metastasis is absolutely zero. Mm. Uh, livers are few, and so on. But, you know, the transplantation is part uh, of the algorithm, is part of the possibilities that we can offer to our patients. And again, the matter is uh, this patient should seek care and be referred to places that run this multidisciplinary approach because mm. sometimes the treatment is, is, is sequential, is multidisciplinary and sequential. You start by resecting a patient, then you do a taste, and then you do uh, an RFA, and finally, this patient is still uh, in the uh, stage in which it can be transplanted, and it'll be transplanted. Or you list the patient for transplantation, and in the meanwhile that you wait, you need to take care of the patient so it doesn't grow out of the stage. And so you do everything you need to do in order to keep it at bay while the liver comes. So it's, um, I would say that in respect of several years ago, the prognosis is improving uh, because of all these treatments, but the complexities are, remains high. And unfortunately, uh, liver cancer is still one of the few or very few tumors in which mortality is not decreasing yet. Not decreasing? No. Hmm. So all the other cancers, as you teach me, <laughs> are improving. Yeah. Uh, the prognosis is improving in, in liver cancers, which still uh, not. But they are surviving much better. And is that because people are still being diagnosed at a higher stage? Uh, because of that, because you do have liver disease, because, um, you know, for example, until a couple of years ago, we didn't have these new antivirals uh, mm. for hepatitis C, and right. we are expecting that the prognosis will change. So sometimes you, you, you treat the cancer, but still uh, the liver doesn't go as it should. Uh, 
So it's a very it's a very complex environment where you need to have the collaboration of many different uh, uh, providers. But this but but the point is that this collaboration must not be random. Mm -hmm. Okay. Otherwise, you have a nebulosa <laughs> in which the Patients, itinerary, several point of entry, several different outcomes. It's very confusing, right? It, it can be overwhelming, right? Right, and so that's that's the reason why uh, many centers are actually organizing themselves in uh, multidisciplinary programs. Basically, one-stop shopping. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, how does somebody find? You know, let's say somebody doesn't live in our area. Uh, we're obviously, you know, we have a center. For example, um, are there online resources? Um, Four Centers of Excellence for Liver Cancer? or Yeah, just... they, they, you, of course, you can look up on the web, uh, website, and, you know, there are um, major, uh, most of the major institutions do. Should have such as. Should have such as. Okay. I, I, I think that the big point is um, go uh, to centers of excellence and and, be, and and refer your patient to, to centers of excellence. Ask the right questions. Are you a center of excellence, <laughs> right? Or are you, the, well, I think, you know, obviously people want to take care of the patients the best way, so hopefully they'll refer patients if yes. they don't really feel like they're yes. adequately. When you call, you know, one, 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 it would be nice if all the center would put their uh, outcomes and volumes uh, in, in the public domain. Dr. Mario Strazabosco is director of the liver cancer program at Smilo Cancer Hospital. If you have questions, the address is canceranswers at yale.edu, and past editions of the program are available in audio and written form at yalecancercenter.org. I'm Bruce Barber, reminding you to tune in each week to learn more about the fight against cancer here on WNPR, Connecticut's public media source for news and ideas.